0: Would you stand with me this morning one more time, and let's read this text together, Matthew six twenty-four to thirty-four. Again, we're working through some familiar texts together and helping uh, one another to understand how they relate to answering our own anxieties. Let's read this together in unison. And then we'll ask the Lord to bless our study this morning. Matthew six twenty-four to thirty-four. No one can serve two masters. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be able to call You our Father. Through Christ, You have not only created us, but You have redeemed us. We are doubly Your sons and daughters. And Father, we have, as we have confessed in weeks gone by, a far too deficient view of Your greatness. And so Father, we come before You humbly confessing that and asking that You would magnify Yourself before us today through the Word of God, and that we would believe what we see, what we read, and that we would take it to heart. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us of the words of Jesus in various circumstances in our lives when we are tempted to anxiety, that we would know Your greatness then and trust it and believe it, and bring You glory by our anxious, free, willingness to obey and trust you and seek your will we pray that you would do this in us for your glory for our growth in christ likeness through the son of god we pray in his name amen thank you please be seated as i said this morning we come to this third part of our series answering anxiety Something that is a very common human experience that I have been wanting to share with you for quite some time now. And so the Lord has brought us to this morning. And the heart of what we are learning, as you remember, of the last couple of Sundays, is that the fear of the Lord is what answers and overcomes sinful fears and anxieties. We see these commands all throughout the Scripture. Fear the Lord and fear not. Anything else. Again, we remember from our first time together that the command to fear not is the most plentiful command in all the scriptures. And of course, that answers a very common human experience that we have. What does it mean to fear the Lord? When we think of the word fear, we immediately think of terror, or dread. And that is the, the first stages, if you will, of the fear of the Lord. When an unbeliever, someone outside of Christ, someone that isn't yet a child of God and isn't yet forgiven for their sins, when they see the terror of God and the righteousness of His judgment, they ought to have a holy terror terror for the Lord, right? God reveals Himself in Scripture as an all-knowing, perfectly righteous judge, and He will bring judgment against all who have sinned. In fact, all of our sins will be punished in one way, right? Either, Either in the body of Christ on the cross or in our own immortal bodies in a place that the Bible calls hell. So the fear of the Lord begins there, but then once a a person is born again and brought into the family of God, that terror against or, or for the judgment of God goes away. And the fear of the Lord turns into an awe, a reverence, an amazement as a child to a father looking at his great attributes and glory so that we are comforted and we are, we are amazed and overwhelmed and rejoice in the greatness of God and to be able to, by his grace, call him our Father, as Jesus said. In fact, the song Eliana sang this morning was a perfect fit for this message, Be Thou My Vision. Right? That's the fear of the Lord, that the greatness and glory of God would fill up our, the vision of our mind that when we are tempted to anxieties and fears for various earthly things, that God's greatness would overwhelm those temptations to fear and anxiety because we know He is greater than all. And that if we are His and belong to Him, there's nothing that can separate us from His loving care. One of the verses she sang was, Thou my what, great Father, And I, thy true Son. If that is your vision, that will crush your fears and anxieties. If we know God is our great Father and we are his true sons and daughters, what have we to fear? What can be truly taken from us? What losses can truly threaten us? Nothing, because if we have God as our Father, we have everything through Jesus Christ. Now our text this morning deals with specific anxiety that we have all felt at one time or another. And various texts of Scripture that refer to anxiety address different avenues of anxiety in our lives. This text, Jesus answers our anxieties with reasons to be in awe of our Heavenly Father so that we can trust Him without anxiety. I love this about Christ. I love this about the Scriptures that they don't just tell you Kind of ignorantly, ah, choose not to be afraid. Come on, go ahead and do it. Right? Turn on that switch, turn off the fear, turn on the trust. You can do this. No, Jesus reasons with us. He gives you solid truth. In fact, in this text, He, he gives to you six arguments against anxiety to help you to say, look, let your vision be filled with the greatness of your heavenly Father. And let these reasons push fear and anxiety out of your heart in every circumstances. The anxiety that Jesus refers to is that which comes with sustaining earthly life. Do you ever feel anxious about the various things that are needed to sustain your earthly life? Think about that. Health, clothes, food, housing, money, the maintenance of all those things, payments, fees, bills, taxes, costs, on and on it goes. Do you ever feel anxious about those things? The anxiety and fear that comes when we realize the great demand required to sustain earthly life and how insufficient our resources seem can tempt us to anxiety. Sometimes our anxiety is exacerbated by a false expectation about lifestyle that we accept from our culture. Do you realize that? Think about the variation among the different cultures of the world, the different standards of living that are perceived as normal. Have we so hiked up our expectation of what normal should be that It creates undue anxiety. That can make us more anxious. I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and life isn't going to be right unless I have this. and That can press anxiety upon us. Sometimes our anxiety is exacerbated by the consequences of our own unwise decisions that we presently cannot escape. Sometimes anxiety is exacerbated by unexpected and unwanted circumstances that place even more pressure upon our resources, things we didn't see coming, things we didn't plan for. And yet all of that is in God's sovereign care. The question for us this morning as we look at this text is how do we respond to that anxiety and fear when it, it grips us? We all have situations like this. But how does, how does, how does our response happen? What do we, how do we respond to that anxiety and fear? When we feel the pinch between sustaining our earthly lives and the resources we seem to have, and we're tempted to anxiety and fear, what do we do? Now, to know what we too often do over against what we ought to do, we need to understand some verses here in this text as a preface, an introduction to the arguments Jesus gives. There's a a core here to this text that I think is often overlooked, we go right to Jesus' arguments without understanding the conflict this text presents. And let me try to explain it to you by a chart. I hope you can see that it is, it's a busy chart, I know. But it helps to organize my thoughts. Look, first of all, at this very top part right here. Anxious pressures. We all, we all experience those. The pressures of life. Various circumstances come upon us. And we all respond to those anxious pressures in some way. And this text explains two different responses that a human being can have to those anxious pressures. Now, the choice of which way to respond to these things, this choice we make in a moment, we make in a daily way, we make throughout our life, but the choice to how to respond to our anxious pressures reveals what we treasure in our hearts. That's the point of Jesus in verses 19 through 23. He says, what you, what you treasure, there your heart will be also. What you value. And how we respond to the anxious pressures of life reveals what a person treasures, but it's also the fruit of our faith. Our faith is what spiritual insight we have and, and shows us what is valuable. Let me define a couple other things for you here before we look at the two different options of action, a response to anxiety. First of all, this is, this is you and me, right here in the middle. And all of us, whether we realize it or not, are slaves to something. Look what Jesus says there in verse 20, 20, uh, 24. No one can serve two masters... For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, what? God and money. And at any point in our lives, well, Christians, if you're a child of God, who's your master? God is. You've been bought with a price, right? Through the blood of Christ. But an unbeliever, who is an unbeliever's master? The things of earth. And here Jesus calls it money. Money. And what is a master, by the way? No one can serve two masters. What's a master? Well, in in the New Testament context, a master is someone who provided for you. You do work for them. They provide for you. They provide housing. They provide clothes. They provide food. They don't necessarily give you money for what you do, but they provide everything you need because of a service rendered. And there's security in that. There's safety in that. The New Testament concept of a righteous relationship between a slave and a master. And so Jesus makes that parallel and he says everybody's serving a master. Either your master is God or your master is the things of earth, money. And when we have the anxious pressures of life upon us, that pressure, that anxiety will reveal who our master is. Or Let me say it a little bit different way. Those pressures can reveal who we are acting like our our Master is often as believers. Our, Our Master is God, purchased through the blood of Christ, but often we act like still that our Master is the things of earth. So then what do we do? When the pressures of life come, if we understand the greatness of our God and who He is, what we will do is continue to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and trust Him to add to us, as he promises, right, in verse 33, the things that we need to sustain earthly life. That's that's how this works in the kingdom of God. If we're a a child of God, we go about life asking ourselves, what is God's will? Right, to seek first God's kingdom of righteousness is really to prioritize God's will over all things. Over the pursuits of earthly life. Over the pursuit of earthly things by trusting in His perfections, His promises, and His ability to provide. And so as we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, again, what does He promise to do? Our Heavenly Father, our Master in Heaven, promises, I will sustain your earthly life. This Master promises to supply the needs of earthly life according to His will, which may be reduced from a personal or cultural demand in order to prioritize heavenly things. But he says, I will add to you the things you need. And what Jesus is saying is that this way of life, trusting in God, doing his will, worshiping him, that's a way of peace. That is a way of overcoming anxiety. It's a very interesting dynamic that changes. When I work, when, I, when we go about our lives seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness, We're not thinking of our work as whatever I put in, I'm going to get out of it exactly to meet my needs. And so if I'm short in needs, I'm going to just work more and more and more and more to the exclusion of God's will. No. I think I'll do the work that God has called me to do and trust Him to add to me what I need. God pays me, I work. That's kind of the idea that Jesus is presenting us here. Now, if, if the world is our master, money is our master, then we have a different approach to the anxieties of life. What do we do? Verse 32, look at it. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. What does that mean? And you can hear the panic in the questions there in verse 21. What do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? Eagerly seeking versus seeking first is a Immediate response to anxiety. or Eagerly seeking to prioritize earthly things. To the neglect of seeking God's will by trusting in earthly resources and one's abilities to acquire. If we are thinking like a slave of earth, or we are a slave of earth, we will eagerly seek all these things. With anxiety, with panic, we run after the things. That are, I've got to have all this to pad myself against anxiety. To make sure I have barns full and, and, and no cause for unrest. And to give myself a sense of security. Because we think that if we seek after all these earthly things and leave off seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness, that this earthly master will indeed sustain our earthly life. And it's really not even true, right? What do we know about money? It takes wings and flies away. I mean, how many of us, I've experienced this, You, you work hard and you're like, I've got some extra money now. And what happens? The radiator on the car blows. And all the money you just worked for goes right out the window. Have you ever thought, if I hadn't worked for the extra money, then my radiator wouldn't have blown? (laughs) Well, that doesn't make any sense, but sometimes those thoughts go through your mind. I hope you think like this. Maybe you don't. Maybe I'm crazy. But this is how I approach life sometimes. Like, God, teach me how I am. How much am I to work? But the point that Jesus is making is when we feel the pressures of life upon us that tempt us to seek after the things of earth and hoard them to ourselves with panic so that we feel like we have enough security around us he says don't do it keep seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness his will for you his reputation in the world his righteousness his growth of Christ-likeness in your life And if you seek that, this good master, this good father says, I will add to you the things that you need. And we've all seen that too. We've seen God, and we're just consumed with something that we know God wants us to do, and we're praying, and we're thinking, God, I don't know how you're going to meet this need. And then some resource out of nowhere, God brings into play, and you're like, I never could have calculated that. This text is so real. And it's so applicable. We need to take it to heart. But to rely on the earthly master to keep seeking money and material things for security from anxiety, this is the way of self-reliance, self-satisfaction, self-worship. It's the way of anxiety. This master promises to supply the demands of earthly life which are often informed by personal selfish desires and cultural expectations and the fact of the matter is, is this master does not deliver. He does not deliver in the end. And so, taking all this into consideration, let's look back at our text and understand that, that God is calling us. Don't be anxious. Here's the main idea. You can see it at the top of your notes. Don't be anxious when you feel the weight of the demand upon your life to sustain or to life. Instead, keep Seeking first your Father's kingdom and righteousness, trusting in Him to provide all that you need. And the greatest reason, listen, the greatest reason that we need to learn this, this way of life, to trust God is that because when we trust Him like this and we see Him overcome our anxiety, then our lives will begin to reflect His greatness instead of our own fears. That's important. Our lives will begin to reflect His greatness instead of our own fears. And through that reflection, others will be drawn to Christ for salvation. That's the point. Matthew 5.16, Let your what? light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the ultimate end of this, of this text. So what does Jesus tell us so that we can make this choice of faith to not run after, hoarding to ourselves anxiously the things of earth, but trust our Father, continuing to seek first His kingdom and righteousness, and leave our anxieties with Him. Jesus reasons with us. Why should we trust our Father instead of being anxious? Six reasons. And they all. I'm going to phrase these all, and you can see them in your outline. I'm going to phrase these all just pointing our eyes to the Father. Reason number one. Because our Father is the life-giving Father. That's the first reason to not be anxious and continue to seek after His kingdom and righteousness. Our Father is the life-giving Father. Notice in this text how many times Jesus commands the children of God not to be anxious. He says, verse 25, I tell you, do not be anxious. He says in verse 31, Therefore, do not be anxious. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious. This is, this is the central command here. And additionally, verse 33, don't be anxious. Instead, rather, but, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things that you're tempted to be anxious about, the Father will add to you. And in verse 25, He tells us not to be anxious specifically about Our earthly lives, about your life, your earthly existence, and then also about your body, the temple in which you experience your earthly existence. Our earthly lives is defined here as Jesus explains, what are we going to eat? We're speaking of those things that sustain earthly life. What do we eat? What do we drink? Our bodies, he's talking about what, about, what are we going to put on our bodies? Are we anxious about putting clothing on our bodies, shoes on our feet, shelter over our heads? We may be tempted to anxiety when we think about these things. What about my life? What about my health, my physical strength, my well-being? How are all these things going to be sustained? I don't see a way. All we have enough, or will we have enough food, drink, even health care? During recent years, certainly this has been something that has taken more of a front perspective in our minds and in the mind of our our communities. During my life, will I have enough to shelter and protect myself and those I'm responsible for? Will we we be able to keep clothes and shoes and our bodies and shelter? Will we be able to acquire the basic necessities of life? And we may be feeling these very anxieties even this week. Think about it. Have you? Have you felt anxiety over a pinch in earthly resources to sustain earthly life? Very reason, very common reason for human anxiety, and one that we need to recognize as sin. And Jesus addresses this anxiety by a simple question, but with a profound meaning. What's the question? Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? What does Jesus mean by that question? What does he mean for us to understand about our Heavenly Father? He's saying that to create human life requires much more, much more power, resource, than to make food, which sustains earthly life. And to create the human body requires much more power and resource than to make some clothes for it. I mean, what's more complicated in your mind? The, the life of the human being? Or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? right? Or your body? Or a shirt? right? See, this is kind of the comparison that Jesus is making for us. What is his argument? Jesus' first argument or answer to our anxiety is to remind us that we have a life-giving Father. We have a life-giving Father. This is an argument from greater to lesser. If God can create one, life, body, He can certainly create the other. Food, clothes, shelter, health care, whatever. And neither are a burden or a strain on the abilities and resources of our life-giving Father. When when the Father extends His grace to us, do we we feel like He has to take a nap afterwards because His resources have been drained? No. He is infinite in all of His resources. God is a glorious, powerful, majestic Creator. Think back to Genesis 1-1. That's the idea here. Jesus wants to remind you of the Father who, through Christ, spoke the worlds into existence. Let there be, and there was. That's amazing to think about. Don't, don't just think of the, uh, the creation story as your one-time Sunday school lesson that was a nice story. No, this is, this is your Father if you are in Christ. He, created, he took dust in His hands and formed man and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We can't even come close to doing anything like that. And that was, that was a joy for God to do. And then having created man and woman, he, he, he gave them everything and he said, here, here, you have this for food, all the plants of the earth and eventually uh, Genesis 9, the animals as well. God created all these things for human sustenance and if he created the complexities of human life, then is the creation and provision of your daily food any trouble to him? It's a piece of cake. If he created the intricacies of your human body, then is the creation, provision of your clothing any trouble to him? No sweat. And didn't he do this for his people as they traveled through the wilderness? You remember Deuteronomy 8? It's a fantastic text. Bringing bringing God's creative ability into everyday life post-fall. You have the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness for 40 years And he says, when you were there, your shoes didn't wear out. One of my children recently asked me, So, as the children grew, did their shoes grow too? I don't know, maybe. God can do that. He provided water from where? A rock. He provided quail and manna from heaven, from the ground. I mean, this is our creative, powerful God. Jesus says, don't be anxious. Isn't life more than food? The body more than clothing? And why did Jesus live, or why did God choose to to allow his his children to live that way, eating out of his hand, as it were, in the wilderness, day by day, enough manna for that day? Why does God do things like that? So that we would learn not to live by bread alone, but by every command from the mouth of God. Do you ever think of this? God wants us as his children to know the joy of living from his mouth to our hand. We don't have anything in there yet, and God says, as we need it, let there be, and there is. That's, that's how God wants us to live as his children, that we would learn to live by the Word of God, the creative Word of God. So don't be anxious about the things you need to sustain earthly life because your Heavenly Father is the one who created life itself and the body in which you experience life. We have a life giving Father who's completely able to sustain the life and the body He created. Don't be anxious. Trust Him. That's what Jesus is saying. He's arguing with us, giving us reason. And you know, I was thinking we could press this argument even one step farther. Our earthly life and earthly bodies are not the only creation of God with reference to us and our existence. As His children, He is also the creator of our eternal lives. Our eternal lives. And our eternal bodies. Think of that. Life that lasts forever. A body that lasts forever. Created and sustained by our Father who knows no hint of deficiency or weariness. Think of that. That's yet to come. So if He's the creator of our eternal life and bodies and our earthly life and bodies, can He not give us the food and the clothes and the health that we need to sustain our earthly life for as long as He has planned for us? Can He do that? Yes, be thou my vision. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son. Don't be anxious. Instead, seek first your Father's kingdom and righteousness, trusting Him to add to you, provide for you all that you need. Number two, Jesus turns our eyes to look at not only the life-giving Father, but the bird-feeding Father. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus tells us here to look at the birds. That's that's very interesting. Here's part of his argument to overcome anxiety. Take the time, it's commanding us, Jesus is saying take the time to notice the revelation of God's natural creation. And learn about His character from it. Doesn't creation reveal the glory of God? We know that. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaims His handiwork. Take the time to notice God's creation. To learn about His character from it so that you might trust Him as your heavenly Father. That's part of the point of natural revelation. Look at the birds. What do they teach you about our Father? How do birds eat? You guys feed them, right? Day by day, seeds, berries, bugs, worms, trash. They fly to different areas. They get what they need. How many birds are there in the entire world? I don't know. There was so many numbers on the internet. (laughs) I don't know who has the right count. One of the numbers I saw was like... Don't you love these statistics? Like, well, somewhere between 200 and 400 billion. That's like twice as. So it's like, in other words, we have no idea, right? So, but there's a lot of birds in the world. I remember going to the Brookfield Zoo and feeding the parakeets, going to the San Diego Zoo or the Wild Animal Park and feeding the lorikeets. I don't know if anybody has ever done that. You get them, you know, their little food on a stick or the nectar in a cup. And it's amazing, so many birds in that room, and they all come rushing around you, and and you're able to feed some of them right from your hand. But two billion birds? Could you feed two billion birds? Who feeds them daily? The Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus is saying. The Heavenly Father feeds them daily. Matthew 10, 29-31, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Heavenly Father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. The birds don't have a process of storage. Right? That's Jesus is saying that. They don't sow, reap, or gather into barns. They don't have bank accounts. They don't have barns or grocery stores. Yet God provides for them daily. The birds are fed by God directly. God opens His hand and satisfies the desires of the birds. I love that psalm. I've said that. That's just such an encouraging sound to me. Psalm 145, 16. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living creature. That's our Heavenly Father. You, then Jesus says, you are more valuable to God than birds. Why does He say that? Are you not more value than they? Yes, the answer is. The the listener of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is to say that. Yes, I am more valuable to my Heavenly Father than, than birds are. Why are we more valuable? Because we're made in His image to bring Him glory like no other creature. And beyond that, if you are a child of God through salvation, you've been bought by the blood of Christ, you are a son and a daughter of the Heavenly Father, That's why you're more valuable than they are, because the worth, the infinite value of the eternal Son was sacrificed to pay for you. That brings you more value than the birds if you are God's child. And so the next time you're anxious, do what Jesus says here look at the birds of the air. That's your assignment. Look at the birds. We, we, don't we rush? We miss so much as we anxiously go about our earthy lives hoarding to ourselves the things of earth. And Jesus says, stop and look at the birds. They remind you that your heavenly Father feeds them daily and they remind you that in Christ you are of more value than they and He will feed you too. That's the implication. He will add this, these things to you. Argue with your anxiety. Answer your anxiety. You know, as Christians, we're to be thinking Christians. So often we get an anxious thought and then we just try to distract ourselves. Don't do it. Be mindful in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring the arguments of Christ back to your mind. Say, I am anxious right now, Father. I confess this to you. I know this is sin. Thank you for the righteousness of Christ. Thank you that you Love me more than the birds and you feed us all. Thank you that you sustain my life. Trust Him to care for you and don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Instead, seek first your Father's kingdom and His righteousness and trust Him to provide all that you need. That's the point. Number three, the third argument Jesus gives to us is that the Father, our Father, is the time-keeping Father. Look at the verse. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? By being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. Isn't that often what we're anxious about? I don't want to die early, right? We're anxious about that. Our health Our illnesses, our sustenance, it comes on us and we feel anxious. Now, is there any redeeming value of sinful anxiety? When we get anxious and do all this stuff, does it actually add length to our life? No. It it does not allow us to live longer at all. It doesn't add one hour, Jesus says, to our span of life. So many people are very anxiously busy about all sorts of things in an effort to lengthen life. Does that ring true with you? Here's an illustration of this. I was um, when I was quite sick a couple years, or you know, in the last year, I took some vitamins. We take vitamins. I'm okay with vitamins. You get them through your food, and you can get a little more sometimes through a supplement. Now, this is interesting. This was so good for me. One of the brands of vitamins on my shelf, do you know what the name of it was? Life Extension. It's a good good brand of vitamin, but I looked at that title and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Now, I, I am for taking care of the temple that God has given to us. Right? We can find that to be God's will in Scripture so that in His providence we may serve Him and one another with vigor according to His will. That's a good thing. That's part of God's sovereign providential work in our lives. But the truth is, in all of that considered, there is not one supplement, not one exercise routine, not one diet on the face of the planet that has control over the final day of my life. Nor does it have the final say over the quality of my life. That is in the sovereign hand of God. How many, even in the last couple of years, more than usual, we've heard of such healthy people exercising who do what? Drop dead. Right? It's disturbing. But the Lord tells us, don't be anxious. It can't add to your life. There's only one person who holds the timetable. Who's that? Our Heavenly Father our Heavenly Father. He is the one who determines the length of your life. Your loving Heavenly Father does. You will not, listen, you you know this, you will not die one hour sooner or later than He has determined for you to die. Do you believe that? That's true. And I'm going to show you from Scripture why that's true. So don't be anxious about it. God calls us, Christ calls us And he tells us in this verse that anxiety doesn't do anything to lengthen our lives. This argument reminds us that God is the sovereign timekeeper. This is the God about whom David wrote, to whom he wrote in Psalm 139. Here's here's the argument. David says about our Heavenly Father, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Listen, my frame was not hidden for you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of my mother's womb. Here it is. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Do you believe that? It's the word of God. Every day of our lives has already been written in the book of God. How precious are your thoughts, O God, to me. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Hear the love that is being enjoyed by God and his servant David, his son David there. This is the way it is with our Father. This argument from Jesus, just like these words from David, remind us that God is the sovereign timekeeper of our lives. And we could say this, we're invincible until He's ready to bring us into His eternal home. Now that doesn't mean we should be foolish and disobedient to His revealed will and expect to get away with that. All of that is included in His sovereign working. But this does mean that we shouldn't be anxious about our health, about the length of our life, but trust the perfect measure of time that He's planned for us. Think about Jesus Christ, His Son, for example, while He was on earth. How many times did Jesus escape a premature death because why? His hour had not yet come. You could trace that all through the Gospel of John. What do we see in that? God the Father had planned the exact moment of Jesus' crucifixion, the exact moment Jesus would say, it is finished, and give up His spirit was planned by the Father, and that would not happen one second sooner. So trust your Father, the perfect timekeeper. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious. Instead of of that, seek first your Father's kingdom and righteousness. Trusting Him to provide all that you need. Let's leave off here today, right in the middle of, of our study, and we'll pick up this in two weeks. Next week, our ministry partner will be sharing the word with us. And so just as we close this morning, think about the arguments that Christ has given to us so far. They're so precious. What anxieties are you feeling this morning, this week? When do they happen? Why? What are the circumstances that tempt you? The next time you feel your anxiety, Take your Bible, open it to this section of Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to impress upon your heart the arguments that Jesus, your Savior, has given. We have a life-giving Father, a time-keeping Father, a bird-feeding Father. This is who He is. Be Thou my vision, right? You, my great Father, I, your true Son. And so that's the question I want to leave with you before we pray. Is is that how you handle your anxieties? Look at your Father, hear His promises, be in awe of Him, fear Him. Let the anxieties be overcome by that truth. And then, is God your Father this morning? That's a very important question too. Because if God is not your Father... Through the new birth, through the saving work of Christ, then Jesus is not talking to you in this. And you should live in terror of God's imminent judgment. That's what Jesus would say to you. And then he would say, Come to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Right? This is such an important thing. We aren't naturally children of God, are we? In fact, the, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, he says that we are either children of God or we are children of the devil. And how do we know that? By the fruit of our lives. Do we live in love with sin, seeking our own way, living for the world without thoughts of God or dependence on Christ? Or have we turned from sin? Turned from our self-righteousness, our own efforts to please God and to forgive us and trusted only and completely in the finished work of Christ. His righteousness to cover us as we stand before God. His death on the cross to absorb our guilt and to take our sin and, and, and take the punishment for us. His resurrection to draw us to life spiritually and cause us to live forever. Is that your trust and God promises that if that's your trust for forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God, then you are His child. In fact, Jesus said, or the writer John said in John 1, 12 and 13, but to all who did receive Him, received Jesus, received His provisions alone for salvation and rest in Him who believe in His name, to those He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's only one way to have God as your Father. is to be born again. To receive Christ as Savior and Lord and rest in His finished work. It says there you can't be God's child by blood. You can't be physically born into it. Nor the will of flesh. You can't just will your way into it. You can't do it by the will of some other person. It's God who looks into your life and calls you to life spiritually so that you trust in the finished work of Christ and know eternal life and forgiveness of sins. If that is you, then this text is a promise for you and all of the arguments that Jesus gives so that you can overcome anxiety. If that's not you, then... Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Let go of your self-righteousness. Let go of your sin. Come to Christ and He will receive you as you receive Him. Let's stand together and we'll pray and ask God to do this work in our hearts for His glory. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for such wonderful words from Christ, such probing words, convicting words, helpful words and I pray that we would understand them. Spirit of God, open our hearts. And not just to understand them intellectually, but to take them into our hearts so that they change our thinking and therefore change our desires and change our living, that we wouldn't be tempted to neglect seeking Your will and Your righteousness while we are hoarding the things of earth to satisfy ourselves and give ourselves a full sense of security father when the pressures of these of, of anxiety come upon us and we consider the, the strain of sustaining earthly life may we trust in you as our father and father i pray that if there is someone here who does not yet have you as their father would you please call them to be your sons and daughters? Open their eyes to see the sufficiency of Christ's saving work and give them a heart of repentance and faith to come to Christ and trust in Him alone and to be sorrowful over their sin and to turn from it to follow Christ. Father, do that work in us and may we spread this word even this week in the different places that we go so that we can be a light to shine in the world and bring you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.